Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 45 for February 2016. Well, thank you as always for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Hope you're going to stay with us for the next 53 or so minutes because we'll be meeting Sky Mundell, a gentleman living in British Columbia, who has an interesting project in relation to the Window Eyes screen reader. We hear about an assistive technology evening being run by UCC and the Newbridge Computer Club have an update on a new meeting they're calling the Double Tap Club. Uh, Sharon Lines is along to introduce to us the World Wide Web and that's uh, certainly going to be one that I think will generate a number of questions. And finally, I'm at the Young Scientist Exhibition meeting Deirdre Hughes and Ali Fox from Clare Galway College. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, starting us off this month, we always love to hear from listeners, people who send emails to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie, or maybe people who call, or I often get people speaking to me in person and they say, I've enjoyed the podcast. It's really nice when we hear from people who have a bit of a story. And it's even more unusual, I have to say to you, when we hear of people with a story who are not living in Ireland. I received a really nice email in November 2015, so about a month before Christmas, and it was from a gentleman named Sky Mundell, who's living in British Columbia in Canada, and Sky joins us on Skype. Sky, welcome to our technology podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Stuart. It's been a pleasure to do this, and very happy to be on the podcast. Very nice to have you. You've been listening for a while, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I heard about this podcast on the Freedom Scientific FS cast and that you did with Jennifer Lozen. That's right, and yeah. So I took a look at it and I was just blown away by all the content that was on there. Thank you very much. Clearly that $50 I gave you before the interview has worked. <laughs> okay. Yes. Listen, t- tell us, b- before we talk about the reason you got in touch, and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about the email you sent in, in a minute, just tell us a bit about yourself. Are you totally blind? Yes, I'm totally blind. I was born in 1991 with a condition called retinopathy of prematurity, and which left me totally blind, uh, partially deaf, and cerebral palsy on the left side. I'm a blind jazz musician. I'm a jazz pianist. Wow. Uh, I, I listen to jazz musicians like uh, Nat King Cole, George, George Sheeran, uh, Ray Charles, and all these guys. And uh, I won a competition in 2010 called Vancouver Island's Got Talent. I work as assistant technology instructor on a contract with an organization in Vancouver called Neo Squire Society, who does work for people with disabilities. Okay. And I'm a part of the Distant Computer Comfort Program. And I'm also doing volunteer work at an organization that was starting up in Victoria called the Pacific Training Center for the Blind. I'm tired just listening to you, by the way. Sounds like you, you're very, very busy already. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> so you, you're, you're, you're teaching um, people to use assistive technology. That's, you know, it's interesting when we talk with people who do this work, and I can speak to this personally. It's very rewarding, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It definitely is very rewarding. I really enjoy teaching adaptive technology. It's a lot of fun, and I really benefit a lot from teaching. And I always think, uh, Sky, when you're teaching people, you know, there isn't a day goes by when you, as an instructor, don't learn something either. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely correct, Stuart. You're definitely correct. All right. L- let's, let's come to, to why you got in touch with us then, because you're, you sent an, an email, um, as I said, ar- around mid-November or maybe the third week in November. And I remember coming into work one morning and, and sort of going through my emails and trying to deal with some of the podcast stuff first thing in the morning and um, reading your email. And I was kind of, I was blown away by it because it, it, it talked very respective, respectfully about a gentleman called Robert Donald, who we'll talk about in a moment. But I think the thrust of your email was that you were enjoying the podcast, but you were you wanted to flag that I suppose we had, we've spoken a lot about technology and about screen readers, but we hadn't talked, and you were quite right, by the way, we hadn't talked at any length 
about the screen reader window eyes, which I understand is the screen reader that you use. That's correct. I use window eyes quite a bit, and uh, I use all of them. I use window eyes uh, 9.3 from the I squared, JAWS 17 from Freedom Scientific on my laptop, and NVDA for non-visual desktop access. So... Just before we talk a bit about window eyes, you're, you're using all three screen readers. And indeed, I know a lot of people who, who tend to sort of dip in and out of different screen readers to accomplish different tasks. I have to say, I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm very set in my ways and I'm a one screen reader person. Mm-hmm. What's it like sort of doing that three screen reader usage? Are you finding there's different scenarios when you'll sort of use different screen readers for, for particular tasks? Certainly. Um one particular uh, thing that I noticed is that there were uh, I was um, at the Pacific Train Center using an example. We had a staff member who has both jars and window eyes for office on her computer, and we tried a Internet Explorer task, which didn't appear to work well with jars, but it worked well using the screen reader called Window Eyes. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was in the Gmail, and I went to the Compose button to compose an email, and I was struggling quite a bit trying to get JAWS to function with it. So then I tried using Window Eyes, and Window Eyes just read it perfectly the first time. It's funny, isn't it, that sometimes, you know, and, and you're, you might be using the very same environment, and just a different screen reader interprets or obviously does things differently to render the experience usable. That's correct. So let's get back to, to why you, you wrote to us. And I suppose you, you wanted to highlight Window Eyes, you wanted to talk about it, and we, we will do that. Um, but you were also talking about a, a project that you're embarking upon, and it sounds, by the way, like a really good project. And you wanted to recognise the significant contribution of this guy, Robert Robert Donald. And I hadn't heard of him until I got your email and did a bit of research on him. And he s- sounds like this guy was was quite was quite amazing. He was an instructor. Is that correct? That's correct. He was an instructor at Motherwell College. He uh, was the only one. He was. He taught window eyes in, I guess, I think the early 90s to 2008. And um, you know, this guy came up because uh, I'm, I'm a member of the GW Micro, or AI Squared, as it's called, mailing list, because um, GW Micro merged with AI Squared. And um, people were talking about how window eyes was often neglected in institutions for the blind and so on and so forth. And... And then, all of a sudden, uh, one of his students came up and uh, mentioned about this guy, Robert Donald. And uh, so then, when Window Eyes for Office came out, um, uh, I decided um, that I would uh, look at this guy in further. So I got in touch with his student, and the student told me about Robert Donald and, and about himself and the work that he did. Uh, I was very inspired by this guy, and it made me want to do something similar to what Robert Donald did. And it sounds like this guy, Robert Donald, kind of came into Motherwell College. He campaigned, he lobbied, he cajoled, he probably had to fight. He, he, he did everything to get a computer lab, a training lab, set up with accessible PCs, with uh, software as as the I suppose mainstream software evolved, he was pushing for screen reading technology to keep up with it, and it sounds to me. And I read a couple of the obituaries because this gentleman passed away uh, um, since I think a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. But it sounds to me like that any student who would have who would have been under him would have been very lucky. That's right. He was, yeah. The students were very lucky to have him. And they were fighting, and he definitely was fighting for students' right to education. He fought for up-to-date computers. He fought for, you know, the right to information, <laughs> and just a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. So your your project that that you're sort of embarking upon, that I suppose you you contacted me about, outside of making people aware of Window Eyes, what do you want to do? Um. Well, um, I go. Um, is to get window eyes included in education uh, and as one of the range of actions in employment for the blind. 
because um, in my experience, um, I haven't seen window eyes being included in any institution when it comes to people with disabilities. And that, um, that has always been my goal, was to get window eyes well known and uh, just widely available as one of a range of options. Now, one of the, I suppose, significant things for Window Eyes was when the when Microsoft and you mentioned Window Eyes for Office there a, a little while ago. Microsoft included it, I suppose, or, or made it available if you had a at the time a, a running license for Office twenty ten, and I think that goes upwards. You could yes. you could get Window Eyes, and yeah, and, I, and I don't know Sky because. Certainly, I remember reading the press release and it was very exciting and, and, and I was thinking of all the possibilities. But it, did, has, it, has it caught on, do you think? Because it doesn't seem to have caught on in this part of the world. Um, well, um, from time to time, um, it definitely is, I think, starting to get there. Um, it definitely, um, I think, hasn't caught on here as of yet. But it's, uh, I think, um, uh, I'm a part of the DW Info list, and there's more and more people, uh, there's many more list numbers being added to the list, and uh, uh, I'm Window Eyes certified now. I got 94% of my Window Eyes certification test, and uh, so... Um, you know yeah, what you're so- talking about when it comes to this screen reader, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 know you know the 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 things you need to do to make the screen reader work for you. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Where are we around compatibility with Window Eyes at the moment? Because I have to say, it is it is the screen reader that probably at this time I'm least familiar with. So, are we um, are we are we supporting Windows 10, Office 2016? Where are we on the on the the kind of mainstream applications that people might need access to? Sure. Um, well, Windows Eyes uh, for Office does work with Windows 10, uh, Windows 7, and Windows 8.1. It's the it's uh, the free vers- It's the full version. Uh, it's um, it's not basic. You know, it doesn't just work in Microsoft Office. It works in all programs, and there's uh, a couple of differences between the retail version on Windows Eyes and the free version that I want to highlight. Uh, the first difference, number one, is with the retail version, you get a Braille hotkey guide, a large print hotkey guide, an installation CD, and with the free version, it's all downloaded. Downloaded, But you can optionally add the Braille large print hotkey guide and the installation CD for a fee. I don't know the price off the top of my head, and the second difference with the uh, retail version is synthesizers. With the free version, you're just going to get Microsoft Speech Platform and eSpeak. However, you can optionally add Eloquence, Deck Talk, Vocalizer Expressive, and Vocalizer between a cost of $25 and $99. And... With the retail version, get all of that included. I must say, I do like the way that it supports Deck Talk. I, I, I'm not aware of other screen readers that are doing that at the moment. I, I'm, I'm missing my access to Deck Talk from, from years ago, by the way. Yeah. And uh, the last difference for Windows Eyes, um, the free version is tech support. So with the retail version, you not only get the installation CD, the Boil Hot Key Guide, um, insta- uh, the synthesizers. You also get unlimited tech support. So what that means is you can call up AI Squared and um, you can get um, assistance um, for a cost of nothing. With the free version, um, you can get free tech support as long as it's installation or if it's a question that they know off the top of their head. If it's something that they have to do some more investigation, then you have to pay for tech support. And the tech support cost can cost from $24 um, per one incident and $99 per all incident. So you've, you've given us a very comprehensive comparison there of the free and paid offerings for Window Eyes and I suppose why people might 
choose to do either. And we'll put the window eyes for office link on the show notes for this episode of our podcast. How are you getting on with your with your project then? Because it sounds like what, what you really want to do, and I guess this podcast is a vehicle to help do it, is just to get the word out there. Window eyes is alive and well, and people should try it out. Is that it? That's right. And the project has gone extremely well. I've been teaching uh, sighted staff at the organization uh, in Vancouver that I'm teaching uh, distantly. So uh, I taught two-sided staff how to use window eyes, and I got a blind client who I'll be teaching window eyes who works for the CNIB. And so it's coming along quite nicely. It sounds like uh, something that we should keep an eye on. I, I, I always think it's interesting to watch the screen reading landscape. And uh, just because a screen reader is very popular at one time doesn't mean it's going to hang on to popularity. So I've no doubt we're going to see Window Eyes uh, raise its head again. It's, it's interesting, of course, the whole merger GW Micro and AI Squared and what that might bring further developments in the future. So I think, first of all, Sky, uh, thank you very much for, for bringing this to our attention and for flagging Window Eyes as an application to be worthy of and worth our attention in the uh, screen reading landscape. Sky, thank you very much for joining us. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for February 2016. Hope you're enjoying our program so far. And remember, if you want to get in touch, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is that all-important email address. Now, it's always great to hear about initiatives to support the use of assistive technology, and particularly, I think, in the realm of education. Well, we had an email from Deirdre Madden at UCC to tell us that the people at University College Cork are doing just that with an open evening on the 10th of February. Now, this evening is aimed at students, teachers, parents and SNAs, anyone basically who has an interest in assistive technology in education. If you'd like to find out how technology can help you and indeed receive follow on training, which will also be available. This is a free event and it's open to anyone who wishes to attend. It will involve presentations and you will hear from a current student in University College Cork who will be speaking about how assistive technology helps them. The details are uh, the 10th of February, which is a Wednesday, from 7 to 9pm in room 156 at the O'Reilly Building in UCC and all are welcome. I I really think that's a a wonderful event um, and I wish everybody involved with that the very best of luck. We're always in interested to hear how local groups are using technology and indeed the Newbridge Computer Club who've been active for a number of years and I had the pleasure of visiting their Athai Club I think a couple of years ago have been in touch with us to tell us about an additional session that they're going to be running each month called the Double Tap Club I really like the name by the way for people who are using iPhone technology now Martin Kelly uh, emailed to tell us that it's in the same location as the current Computer Club it's the Kildare Volunteers Centre. And uh, if you want to get more details, get in touch with any of the guys from the Newbridge Computer Club, Martin or Gary, or of course, Trevor Lyons, our technology trainer who is supporting uh, that computer club. The the idea, I think, of computer clubs and this you know peer support network, which we've talked at length about on this podcast before in, in a whole range of things, is just wonderful because it gives people the space to share from each other. And there is no better learning than learning from somebody else, in many cases over a cup of tea or, or a cup of coffee or whatever, who has similar technology to you and has experienced the same issues and headaches as you. And you will find the experience, I think, really worthwhile. So well done to the Newbridge Computer Club. And I'm going to go back and see those guys very soon. So stay tuned to the podcast because we will bring you that visit when I have time to make it. Martin Lawler, a regular contributor to the podcast, sent an email in to say he's enjoying the podcast. And he was the first person to comment on our new music. He said he really likes it. We threw in the, the a new um, a signature tune for our podcast in January didn't say anything about it. I just felt the podcast needed a bit of a freshening up. So Martin enjoyed our uh, theme tune. And Martin, thank you very much for getting in touch. Once again, if you do want to get in touch, if you have comments, suggestions, ways we can improve, if you want to participate, we'd love to hear from you. Technology podcast at ncbi.ie. <laughs>
Well, it's been a few months since we've had a shortcut session. It's absolutely lovely to be sitting back again in the computer training room, which is the domain of Sharon Lyons. Sharon, welcome back. Hi, Stuart. It's been uh, three months. We, I think we three had you in November. Yeah, we didn't have you in December or January. You, you, uh, you, were, you were busy doing other things. Oh, Christmas. Christmas. Okay. How was your Christmas? <laughs> My Christmas is great. Thanks very much. Okay. Busy. <laughs> busy, I know. Listen, uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, before we start, um, it was kind of funny last week because we met Oren. O'Neill, who's a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. it's fair to say, and yeah. Oren uh, was was in here in NCBI, and I introduced him to Sharon. He said that voice sounds familiar, it's like being <laughs> a celebrity. So Oren enjoys the shortcuts, Sharon. Hi, Oren. <laughs> if you have any um, queries or uh, comments or indeed questions for the shortcuts, and indeed you may after today's topic, because Sharon, Ooh. I suppose. Up to now, we've been doing stuff that is not going to change a whole lot. Okay, some different versions of Windows, some things change. But now we're going into a whole new domain, which is the World Wide Web. A whole new can of worms, yeah. (laughs) Is it because, you know, I was only talking to somebody about about this yesterday, by the way, in the University of York, but is it... For, um, from, from your perspective as a trainer, is it one of the most challenging things to show people? Yes, yes, it is actually. I mean, it's one of the most interesting as well, you know, um, because it, it changes literally on a daily basis and it can kind of catch you out a bit as a, a trainer. You can um, show someone a website one day and say, here, this is a great example of a website. This is how you use the web with a screen reader. And then they go and change it all. <laughs> You're like, no, honestly, you can use the web. You know, mm. it, is, it, isn't, um, it isn't impossible. It may feel like it sometimes, but it's not. I, th- I think I, I want to, I might say something here. Some people may strongly, uh, strongly disagree, by the way. Send an email to technologypodcast.ncpi.ie. <laughs> I believe personally that there is no such thing as internet training it, it just doesn't exist yeah you give people strategies you show people how to manipulate mm-hmm. the internet with your screen reader but there is no such thing as internet training you could do internet training for the rest of your life yeah you can you kind of you need to kind of get used to a um a, like a toolkit of of shortcuts and bits bobs and strategies of uh uh, for for different websites and and at the end of the day it's just a case of going to the website and hunting around and you find you get more familiar with some websites than others some might work better for you um, but yeah literally every every website is a, is a separate lesson probably mm-hmm. in in accessing the information. We were speaking to Josh O'Connor on the December edition of the podcast, and mm-hmm. he was making the point that mm-hmm. I guess he works in this area all the time accessible web design. He was saying. It's still a really good strategy. If you come across something that's inaccessible, try and find an email and yes. send a message. Because people genuinely, generally don't do it on purpose. They just don't know. Mm, yeah. Now, I'd, I'd love to um, try and tackle accessibility, web accessibility, but I would pretty much be doing it 24-7 mm. if I was to send uh, all the just feedback on the design of websites. So the best thing for people to do is to, yeah, like you say, find a contact us, uh, link or something and uh, just let them know um, any issues that you've had with a website uh, otherwise if they don't know they, they can't fix it well that's you know? it and I think most of the time and I think it's also just on that point for a second it's also important to say when something does work I remember oh, emailing yeah. an app developer a number of years ago um, who developed a, a great app called Jelly SMS which allows you to use your online web texts to send from your phone so if you were maybe out of the country you didn't mm. want to pay for texts and a really nice app and he went to the trouble of putting uh, voiceover setting voiceover up on his phone so that he could understand some of the challenges great and fixed up the app um, so Fantastic. it's just nice when you let people know things like that yeah definitely and actually I have a little story about um, Glasnevin Cemetery oh yeah um, yeah their website um has a, a couple of things a couple of forms on it it's a website feedback form they have actually and there's a contact us form and they they're relatively accessible and so I got in touch with um, Glass Nevin and I said look can I use these forms uh, there's, a, there's another uh, podcast for you web, web based forms and yeah. um, I said can I use them in my lessons and they actually gave me a code to put in just the NCBI test so if they actually if we submitted the form they'd know it was us just practicing very good and they were very happy for to do that and they were very happy to get the feedback so yeah yeah. always good okay so let's talk about and I know today we're going to do more talking than demoing um, because I suppose we're going to talk a little bit about the concepts isn't that right that's right yeah so we we kind of need to 
understand how the internet works with a screen reader. Okay. Because really, um, the internet hasn't um, always was built for mouse users. It, it's it's built to point and click. Um, whereas the screen reader, when it comes to the internet, the screen reader looks at the page more linearly from top to bottom, left to right kind of thing. Um, so when you're on a website, um, you can read it pretty much like a, a document in Word. Um, you can, you know, you can you can use your navigation keys like down arrow or control down arrow for a paragraph at a time, and things like that work. Um, but you can also have this set of um, kind of single letter shortcuts to. Uh, move to particular elements of a page. So if the page has several headings, several different sections on the page, you can press H to actually move from heading to heading and then use your down arrow to read through that section, your navigation keys to read through that section. So H is just one of the examples of a, of a one-letter shortcut to move around the web page. Using those, you mentioned the arrows there, and I suppose it's interesting because when I show the internet to somebody with vision mm. who doesn't use a screen reader, they're, they're normally saying, well, I don't understand where you are because obviously yes. JAWS reads something completely differently. Oh, yeah. Um, you can, in a way, JAWS users have a bit of an advantage, or I should, I should probably say screen reader users because I know you can do this in NVDA as well. Mm -hmm. They can, We can copy uh, text using the your conventional copy commands that you can, that is yeah. difficult to do without the screen reader, I think, is that right? Well, you can kind you can of click it. and drag okay. with a mouse, but um, it's uh, fiddly, um, and you might pick up more things than you wanted to. <laughs> it kind of depends on the website. But yeah, you can, you can go to the beginning of a, a piece of text, hold down your shift and arrow down to select the text and copy it. Okay. Although be careful of copyright there. Just yes, absolutely. <laughs> Disclaimer. You're doing an assignment, don't do it. Um, now, reference it, reference it. Reference it, it yeah. Um, <laughs> where are we with browsers at the moment in terms of what is usable, what works well, what doesn't work well in your experience? Well, generally, um, as a rule, we've been using in the classes here, we've been using Internet Explorer for, for a long time. But the problem with Internet Explorer is that it kept changing. And also now in Windows 10, it's completely different and not very accessible. Um, so we kind of moved to, um, based on a few different people's recommendations, the JAWS users, screen reader users, we've moved to Mozilla Firefox. And um, it seems to be quite slick, quite quick, um, and works quite well with screen readers. Okay. Yeah, and also Mozilla is a, a not-for-profit organisation. I like what they do. Mm. So. And, they're, and they're free. It, it, and it's, it's free, free yeah. yeah okay. Well, yeah. It's, it's, Somebody, um, in fact, I think Josh O'Connor said to me, because I, I'm very... I, I, I'm very sort of uh, sheltered in my browser usage. It's Internet Explorer, <laughs> <Sheltered>. that's it. <laughs> and uh, recently, something came up when Josh was saying install um, Mozilla Firefox. He said, Stuart, you'll never look back. So, yes, yeah. great. Yeah. Well, there's a recommendation there, for you. Yes, yeah, Josh um, likes it. Absolutely. Um, there's also people talk about Google Chrome, and I've heard I've heard mixed reviews mm. of Google Chrome. I don't dare I say it. It wouldn't be my preference. <laughs> I, I used it for a while. It's a very fast browser. There is no doubt it did seem to be quicker than... I can only compare it to Internet Explorer. It did seem yeah. to be quicker to Internet Explorer to loading up the pages. Yes. But at the time, and I'm going back a year and a half, I had huge focus issues with JAWS oh. lo losing focus. So I gave yeah. up on it after a while. Right. Oh, that's a shame. A bit frustrating yeah. for me. Yeah. But they will... Uh, those, app, those browsers are actually um, officially supported by, indeed, JAWS and NVDA. Um, so you can use IE... Firefox or Google Chrome, if you wish. Yeah. yeah. But we're today for for, for the for the for the demo. We're, we're using Firefox. Oh, we will. Okay. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so I suppose one of the things, Sharon, that people start on is using Google. And I know one of the things yes. you wanted to mention because it's you use it in Google all the time is this idea of forms mode when you interact yes. with the website. That's right. Yes, I mentioned earlier. There's these one-letter um, shortcuts that will bring you to different elements on the page. So H, you can use for headings. Um, T will take you to a table on the page B will take you to a button 
E will take you to an edit box and there's a whole load of them and we'll kind of talk about them as we go through. Um, but then the question remains, okay, when I want to search for something in Google, I need to type in the keywords of my search. But of course, if I type a H, it's going to jump to a heading or it might say something like no headings on this page. Um, so you have to go into a slightly different mode to be able to, as you say, interact with the web page, fill in a form. So that's, that's called forms mode. And in later versions of JAWS, because um, earlier versions would actually tell you when you were in forms mode, but the latest, latest versions will say, will, will make a noise, a little popping sound, mm. which is kind of automatic forms mode. So when you go into an edit box on a web page, it will pop and then you know that you can start typing without it thinking that you're doing your one letter shortcuts so um, if if it doesn't pop um, you can press enter and but JAWS will or screen readers will tell you if you're in an edit box or if you there's somewhere where you can type so you'll be aware I'll kind of show you an example okay make it a bit more okay sense. well um, certainly the website that lots of people tend to start with when we're exploring the internet with people, and certainly in here, we're, we're a lot of the time using Google, getting people Googling. and Yes, and I've actually, um, I set the, the home page, you know, the first page that you go to when you open the web browser, I've set that to Google on all our machines here because Google is just a nice, simple web page um, to get you started does what it says on the tin. It, it does indeed, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Google search. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to open Mozilla Firefox. So I'm going to go to the desktop, Windows D. Windows D, desktop, folder view, list view, Mozilla Firefox, 8 of 31. To move the items, use the arrow keys. To edit the selected item, press F2. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's already on Mozilla Firefox because I was playing earlier. So um, I press Enter. Enter. Mozilla Firefox, about colon blank, Google dash Mozilla Firefox, Google dash Mozilla Firefox, search region, email visited pop. link. Pop, yeah. Now, yeah, that's, um, that's Google. So Google puts you straight into the search box um, as soon as you go to the page and you, you start typing and searching straight away. So I'm now in my forms mode because I've heard that pop. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, you can tab away from that if you wanted to go to something different, like if you wanted to sign into Gmail or something, there's a link on this page where you can do that. But for now, I'm just going to type some uh, search terms into my Google search box. Okay, so let's search for the podcast. <laughs> okay, see how many, how many hits we have in Google. Yeah. O L O SWAT Technology P O D C A S T. Okay. Technology Podcast. And then I press enter to go ahead and search. Podcast enter by technology podcast dash Google search dash Mozilla Firefox. By technology podcast dash Google search dash Mozilla Firefox. F search region page has four regions, thirteen headings and thirty seven links. Okay. By technology well, pop by <laughs> now, um, when you go to a website, uh, JAWS will, um, well, the web browser will download the, the page and JAWS will tell you some information about how many headings, how many links. That you, you, might, you would have heard that information there. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I press control to stop JAWS talking because uh, most of the time JAWS will continue reading the website from the top. Uh, left to right, top to bottom and it's better to actually press control to stop him talking so you actually have literally control of where you are on the page <laughs> Okay, because once uh, he starts reading if you actually if he reads the link that you want um, and think oh that's what I want by the time you go to press enter he might have moved off of it onto the next thing so, so you want to be in control of the cursor on the web page. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Now, at this point, I usually go straight to my H, because <laughs> H is um, H for heading. 
will actually take me to the search results and it will take me to each search result on the page. So if I press H. Google edit level one link graphic. Now that's the Google um, logo at the top of the screen. That's always the first heading on this screen. And if I press H again. Search results heading level two. Yep, search results. And then H again. NCBI technology podcast vertical bar NCBI heading level three link. Okay, so that um, NCBI technology podcast, that's, that's, you would have heard Jaws say link and you would have heard Jaws say um, heading level three, I think it was. Um, so that's, that's marked as a heading on the page, so it will, I can press H to go to each heading. And it's also a link, which means I can press enter now and it will go straight to the technology podcast page. If that wasn't the search result I wanted, I could press H again. Should I press H again? Press H again, let's yeah. see, yeah. And we'll go to the next okay. search result. Technology podcast episode 37 colon June 2015 vertical bar NCBI heading level 3 link. Okay. <laughs> so this is now probably picking up random, yeah, you know, it's a technology yeah. podcast and some random episodes. I'm not sure how Google kind of uh, categorizes these things. Yeah, it's just picking up. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe June last year was a particular popular one, oh, and it kind of was. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really even remember that far back. <laughs> Your shortcuts um, were on, Sharon. The shortcuts were definitely on. Yeah. Were on yeah. <laughs> that was it. That has to be it. <laughs> no. Um, so I mean, if I press H again, we'll just look at the next one, just for the sake of it. Technology vertical bar NCBI heading level three link. Technology NCBI. Okay, so that's probably a more general link about technology in NCBI. Yes. But it's great that the first few uh, search results are all about NCBI. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and NCBI in Ireland, not uh, not an NCBI somewhere else. Yes. Which there is an NCBI in the States. I think it's Biochemical Sciences or something like that. Anyway, um, so if I'm on a search result in Google and I'm not sure when it reads the link I'm not sure what it is about I can arrow down and listen to a bit more and find out if it's what I want so I might in this technology NCBI I'll just see what it is so I arrow down and it should give me the address services services for individuals okay so that's the actual web address mm -hmm. and then if I carry on down it will give me a bit of a snapshot of what's on that page Result details button menu collapsed. Okay. Our information technology trainers can help you find a solution to improve access. Dot, 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 NCBI's monthly technology podcast takes a look at what's happening. Yeah. So that gave some snippets, I suppose, yeah. for using some of the keywords that we had searched for. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's picking up on some of the text on that page, on okay. the general uh, page on NCBI about our technology service. Okay. You, you, you mentioned headings there, and I suppose mm. it's really important that people understand because the, the, the whole idea of pressing the H key, moving through headings. Visually, are they just uh, like more bold on the screen? Or they just yeah, they're actually um, generally um, links okay. on a web page are blue um, and they're usually underlined. On Google, they're, they're kind of bright blue, they're a bit bigger font size than the, the rest the, the address underneath that we listen to, you know, the www.uncb.ie mm. as, as Jaws calls it, mcbi.ie um, that's in green and then the actual snippet of information is kind of in a, a kind of dark grey so visually they do the, the actual link itself uh, really stands out on the page okay. yeah so basically the the great thing with google is very consistent the h will move us through our search results mm -hmm. if we want any of them you mentioned they say link mm -hmm. we press enter to activate that link yeah yeah okay. and also now i've actually gone through i'm on a third search result or something and um, if i decided well actually the first one was what i wanted and i used h to go to each search result i can use shift and h very much like we use shift and tab to move back through the elements on the page. So it'll move back through the search results if I do shift H. Technology vertical bar NCBI heading level three link. And again. Technology podcast episode 37 colon June 2015 vertical bar NCBI heading level three link. 
the popular one. <laughs> um, and I'll do shift H again. NCBI technology podcast vertical bar NCBI heading level three link. Okay, so that, so that brought us back. That's brought us back okay. to the first search result. The, the one other feature we might just look at today, or at least flag for people, is, uh, Sharon, you mentioned this idea, um, before we came on air, actually, you mentioned the idea of what's called the, the list of links. Oh, links, yes. Links list. Yes. And that's, that's a good one for this example. Yeah. So this is a feature that is screen reader dependent, I, I, I think. I mean, I know NVDA and Jaws both have this. Yeah, now, yeah, insert and F7, yeah, uh, both of the, the ones that we would use here, screen readers, have that now the way that they work is slightly different um but generally insert f7 will give you a list of all the links that are on the page and the great thing about that is that you can press the first letter uh, of if you're if you know what you're looking for you can press the first letter and jump to that link um or you can just arrow down through through the actual link titles so shall i try that with Absolutely, this yeah. list of um search results Links list dialog, list view, NCBI technology podcast vertical bar NCBI 8 of 37. To move to items, use the arrow keys. So I could arrow down now. Technology podcast episode 37 colon June 2015 vertical bar NCBI. Technology vertical bar NCBI. Okay, it's, it's kind of similar to pressing H mm-hmm. on the actual web page itself, but it is very useful, this, this list. Um, like I say, you can press the first letter of what you want. Um, in Google, you can do things like you can search the the whole of the web, or you can search just about news, or you can search videos or images, and they're different links on this page. So, for example, if I pressed N, NCBI colon home. Okay, it's going to get everything. Yeah. NCBI technology podcast by Stuart Lawler on iTunes. Okay. And by blast. And next. And news. There we go. Okay. Eventually it gets around because it was actually um, above where I was in the list. So it just, I just had to press N a few times. So if I press enter on that, then I would actually be brought to a more specialized Google search that would actually search for my keywords in news articles as opposed to the whole of the web. Okay. So um, you can do things like that. And there's a whole lesson there probably in the power of Google isn't there oh yeah so many things and I remember talking to Paul Trainer before and and Paul would kind of say it's great if people understand the power of Google because it can make your searching so much quicker yes and uh, one of the things I really like about Google is that um, it seems to intuitively know um, what you're searching for even if you have no idea how to spell it yeah it's amazing <laughs> or, or I, have, I often put in I, I, I had a, a query last week about something I was doing at home uh, on my PC a, a networking thing in Windows 10 and I, I put in a very vague kind of a question and I got the answer pretty mm-hmm. and I didn't explain it very well but mm-hmm. clearly somebody else on the internet has. yeah I think it, it just kind of it like you say probably somebody else has done the same thing yeah. and it, it just uh, it, it just, just has models. all these yeah. analytics in Google that are able to suss out yeah. what you're actually getting at even if you're not too sure yourself, yourself exactly <laughs> that sounds a bit scary actually <laughs> Google knows okay so what 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 is I suppose we, you've given us a start to the I suppose the shape of internet browsing with screen mm. reading and mm-hmm. there's lots more we can do and some of the interactive sites like uh, airlines and we were talking about airlines with Josh O'Connor on the December edition so there's some very interesting things happening there yes um, wow. But maybe if people have specific questions, Sharon, we thought yes. it would be great to get emails and some ideas for internet-based modules or tutorials that you might like. So send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Yes, that would be great. And we can look at things, certainly, um, like I say, the web-based forms we mentioned earlier, we could have a look at those. And um, YouTube. Uh, it's a great it's one. It's a great one, yeah. And there's yeah. some great screen reader support in YouTube for uh, shortcut keys as well. Great, yeah. Okay, Sharon, we'll look forward to talking to you in March. Until then, thanks a million. Thanks, Stuart.
You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast. It's February 2016 edition. As you can tell, I'm not in studio, but I am at the BT Young Scientist Exhibition. I'm here on the last day, and I'm with Deirdre and Ali from Clare Galway College. And these girls are incredible because they've won a whole load of prizes, and we've managed to get them to talk to us on the podcast. So first of all, um, girls, congratulations, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Very nice to have you here. Um, Ali, let's start, because I met you two about a month ago in Galway. You called into NCBI, and you developed a cane that does gives um, at the time anyway gave some uh, feedback via audio isn't that right? Yeah so basically it's a cane that's controlled by a thing called Raspberry Pi which is a, like a computer like tool without a screen or a keyboard and basically it beats if there's anything within 30 centimetres of it to alert that there's something in to it and basically it's with ultrasonic sensors and what happens is the ultrasonic sensors send out uh, ultrasonic sound that we can't pick up and the Raspberry Pi turns on this thing called the echo pin on. And then when they, the sound hits off an object, it leaves an echo. And it, hits, it, it receives the echo of the sensors. And they tell the Raspberry Pi to knock off the echo pin. So because the Raspberry Pi knows the speed at which the um, sound is travelling at, and it knows um, how long it took to get the sound back, it can work out the distance, and that's how it works. Okay. Deirdre, it sounds like a, a, where, where did you guys get the idea for this? Because it sounds like quite a, um, a niche product. Um, well, in first year, we went to the company Avea with our STEM class, and um, they showed us like uh, how you can use the Raspberry Pi and uh, the Makey Makey and, and Scratch, which are all like programming things that kids can use. And um, they basically told us to kind of test the limits and see what you can do with them. And as well, Ali also does a um, Coda Dojo, and they were using the Raspberry Pi and coding them while they were there. So that was kind of kind of even more pushed us to use the Raspberry Pi in our kind of product project. I know very little about the Raspberry Pi, but it's it's one of those things, isn't it, that you can do a whole lot of things with it, and it's just a tiny little um, circuit board. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. It was like, designed so people could have access to being able to code. Okay. So, um, Ali, do, do, how do you, when you're putting something like this together, because we're in January now, I met you guys in December, but I suspect you were working on that for quite a while before that. Is there a lot to, is there a lot to think about? Yeah, you kind of need to think about like um, where everything's going to go, how, what exactly parts do you need, and what kind of code do you need for those parts. When I met you guys, you had the device, the Raspberry Pi device attached onto, at the time, a broom handle. We were testing it out. Then we loaned you, you guys a cane. And Deirdre, you've, you've added some functionality that we have today, including the ability to vibrate uh, when you come to an object instead of a beep. So, uh, like you told us, um, we, we kind of um, added the vibration and beeping that to kind of improve the stick. And um, so, instead of having um, the technology on the um, stick itself, we added it onto a belt that you can wear around your waist so that it makes the stick lighter than it would be. thing I was saying to you guys just there uh, a few minutes ago when we were testing this was that the on other canes uh, where, the vibra- where they do have a vibration functionality it vibrates on the handle and it goes up through your wrist. Yours is much better already because it's vibrating around your waist. One of the things Ali we've talked about as well is maybe ways you might like to develop this product and you talked about in, uh, interaction or, or um, maybe connecting with your mobile phone. Have you thought any more about that? Yeah, so basically what we were thinking is with like Bluetooth SMS, you can probably connect it with your phone. So it's your phone vibrating rather than this uh, the device that's on your belt because it's quite a weak vibration. It's just a vibration motion from the phone we use. So an actual phone would be vibrating much more and it'd probably be easier to tell. So it's definitely what we wanted. We also heard about different suggestions actually from people who've seen the stick. So some people say about maybe building it into classes um, so you can because you can see if it's on which side. We talked about how we could further our glove, which is another design, and just lots of different suggestions which are really helpful. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about the glove then, um, because this is a, a separate product that I just saw today, and I was really impressed with the potential, in particular for people with low vision, and I think that was your plan when you came up with the product. Yeah, um, it was kind of uh, mostly aimed for visually impaired, and um, so if people were to maybe have tunnel vision, or maybe they were blind in one eye, and if they felt as though there was maybe an object to, towards that blind spot that they have, they can just put the glove out and it'll, it works the same way as the sticks were, except it only vibrates and it will vibrate if you, there is an object within 30 centimeters to tell you that there is an object there. Girls, it's super. It's a great product. Uh, what I like about it is we've seen many products in NCBI. Some of them never come to fruition. You guys came to us with a working prototype that was well advanced already. I hope, well, I know, I, I'm pretty certain it's not going to be the last we hear from you. I think we're going to be doing more. But for the moment, major congratulations and enjoy a very well-deserved rest. Thanks a million. Thank you. Well, wasn't that a superb interview? I was so honoured, and I don't use that word lightly, to be able to spend time with uh, Deirdre and Ali, two absolutely super girls. I had the pleasure of meeting them originally in December in our Galway office. I was blown away by their innovations then, and uh, even more so when I got to meet them in January, because they'd won a whole load of prizes. Um, the the quality for that interview wasn't ideal. Uh, we were in a very, very... There's nowhere quiet, by the way, at the Young scientist exhibition to record interviews. That's what I did learn from my trip. And uh, it was technically quite a challenge uh, to record that interview. Deirdre and Ali were absolutely exhausted. They'd been speaking nonstop for three days, answering the same questions. So, look, I, I, I know the quality wasn't ideal, but I really hope you got a sense of what a wonderful project that was. And I will go further by saying that we at NCBI come across many projects and, you know, many people come to us in third level with ideas. And I have to say that what I saw at The Young Scientist, and we'll have more from The Young Scientist, by the way, in March, what I saw at The Young Scientist blows pretty much anything I've seen from third level out of the water, because these guys came with a product, came with something that we could touch and something that we could straight away translate into a potential solution to a practical problem for people with sight loss. And that's what we're all about when we, you know, try to work with students. We try to find out where could something uh, work. So major congratulations to Deirdre and Ali, to their teacher, Eleanor, and to everybody at Clare Galway College. I'm always impressed with the philosophy of Clare Galway College and with what they're doing in relation to technology. And, uh, well, it's been absolutely fantastic to be involved with that project. We were delighted. And keep an eye out for those young girls. I told them to go on Junior Dragon's Den or something like that, because uh, they're, they're ideal candidates, I believe. Now, more from Young Scientists next month, when we'll be talking with jo Gemin Joseph about a Braille device he has made. Also next month, Paul Trainers along to talk more about Windows 10, because we've been getting loads of queries about it, so we need Paul to help us. Uh, that's all for this month. Thank you so much for downloading our technology podcast. Have a great month and talk to you in March. From Stuart Lawler, take care and goodbye. Goodbye.